there, and welcome to the 17th episode of the T21 Mom Podcast. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's six years old and rockin' an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And today, just like every other podcast, my friend Ron joins me. Hey, Mary, how's it going? I'm doing awesome. We have a guest today who has an unusual but important specialty that leaves parents in awe and gratitude. Oh, yes. Lots of gratitude. <laughs> let me tell you. Yes, today we are talking all about potty training. <laughs> <laughs> the much promised episode. Yes. And uh, Katie delivers. You know, i you know, I brought her in to help me with Ainsley because I had tried a couple times and it's hard. It's a really hard thing to do for your child. And, you know, she she did it. And I am so thankful. And I remember thinking, thank God there are people who do this for a living. Well, I mean, as we as we've heard in other episodes from various specialists, the physiology, mm-hmm. especially in, in, in children with Down syndrome, is some sometimes different than in typical kids and Mm -hmm. so a lot of the sensory messages that we would normally get around when you need to go yeah when you need to go around that there are they're not necessarily felt Mm -hmm. the same way in children with down syndrome or other special needs yeah and you know it it was for five days as katie will explain but you know it worked and i'm so thankful Honestly, so thankful. I was doing laundry before that every single day, every day. Yes, but um, she came in and we got through it. Okay, well, let's go talk to Katie and learn some stuff. Let's go. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, we are going to talk about a major yet often very difficult milestone for our rocking kiddos, potty training. Today on the show, we have... I think she's the potty training expert, Katie Reinald of Blackbird Special Education, joining us via Skype. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yes, I am too. And I know lots of our listeners will be very excited to hear what you have to say. And I'm sure you're going to give us lots of great pointers and tips. Because as I'm sure you know, because you've done this a lot, (laughs) this is such Mm -hmm. a huge milestone for our kids. And, you know, I know for me, it was one that I wished happened yesterday or last week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because it's hard. And Mm -hmm. so why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your background and, you know, how you ended up being, as I call you, the potty training expert? Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Well, when I was a teenager, I worked at summer camps for kids with special needs, and I loved it. And I moved to Vancouver to go to UBC, just like for my undergrad, and I needed a part-time job. So I looked around for things I could do in the special needs world, since I really liked that. Mm -hmm. And I ended up finding work as a behavioral interventionist, and mostly for kids with autism in early intervention programs, and I really loved it. So it was a clear, easy, definitely going to be my career path kind of thing, which was pretty lucky thing at 18 years old to figure Mm -hmm. it out 
So yeah, I, I wanted to become a behavior analyst. So I ended up doing my master's at UBC as well. And I worked with Pat Miranda there, who was my supervisor. And when I was looking for a thesis topic that was sort of mutually interesting to us, we, we both were really interested in toilet training. It was something that she's done a lot of work on and was renowned for as well. Mm -hmm. So I ended up studying toileting really specifically. And I did my own research in that area for my master's degree. So when I graduated and I became a board certified behavior analyst, I found there was a big need for toileting support, like more than I thought while I was doing Doing the research and going through school. So it's been a huge part of my practice since then and yeah, has been growing ever since. So I've just been, you know, going at it for a long time now. Well, that's awesome. And yes, I'd he I've heard many great things about Pat Miranda. I think mm -hmm. if you even, I'm not sure if you Google potty training, if her name comes up, but I know she's done lots of videos and things. And I'm pretty sure I went to a, a little seminar with her and um, she had many of the same tips and tricks that you gave me when when we were doing when we were working with Ainsley mm -hmm. and as I mentioned previously I can't, I'm on various down syndrome forums and I keep hearing about potty training and it's it's because it's hard it's a it's a hard milestone for our kiddos it's I think really hard on the parents because I remember trying to do it myself a couple of times and it, mm -hmm. it was really challenging so and I know a lot of people what they often are wondering like how do you know if your child is really ready? Because they might not be able to tell you. So, and I know Hannah, our OT, we had her on a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things she kind of mentioned is like, can they even sit up? But perhaps, you know, like being able to sit or support themselves on the toilet. But maybe you yeah. can talk a bit about how would you ever know or how would you know if your kid is ready to, to do this? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that I get a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's such a confusing thing, because the conventional wisdom of potty training is that you should wait for your child to be ready. So that's what most people think. It's like, let, they should be doing things like being interested in the toilet or saying they want to be a big boy or a big girl. And a big one that people look for is their child to be uncomfortable in soiled diapers, mm -hmm. right? And a, a lot of kids just don't get there. Mm -hmm. I, I very rarely work with kids who actually meet any of those prerequisites. So I, mm. I think, you know, for the most part, we can throw the conventional ones out the window. It's interesting, though, yeah, hearing from your OT about readiness, it, it, there, there are some variables that kids usually have met by the time they get to me. So things like, again, sitting up steadily, mm -hmm. you know, walking, walking to the toilet or, or with support, kind of, yeah, the ambulation around how they get there, those can be important things. Mm -hmm. But Generally, yeah, the, the conventional ones you hear and, and things that are common sort of parenting with them, like, again, the kids just wanting to do it, just don't, they don't come. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for the most part, I suggest families kind of go for it when they're ready to, to undertake the work of it. And in, in terms of, I guess, of looking at real prerequisites for the way I work, um, a lot of the work that I do is within rapid toilet training, which I think mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit about later. And in that method, we, we do want kids to drink a lot of liquid. And again, I'll give you a little more information about that. But it, so if, if they don't already readily drink lots, okay. it's something that I do sometimes ask families to work on before okay. we start. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a good point. And I know like we will talk a bit more about I called it the intensive and you call it the mm -hmm. rapid same thing but yeah. um yeah so and like I mean kind of I guess on what you said is it ever too early to start or you know I've I've been hearing some people like 
I don't know, their kids are, I think I've seen 12 months or 15 months. And I'm talking about children that have Down syndrome, not mm-hmm. typical kiddos. Like, I don't know, because, I mean, I waited a long time to do Ainsley. I think I initially started, hmm, she was probably almost three or four. I can't remember when I tried, uh, you know, doing a few days of the intensive training. But is there, like, do you think there is an age that's too early or just kind of more when the parents are ready to undertake it? Yeah, it's more, it's it's really not a defined thing in the research what the right age is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it, it really is about the family being ready. And in general, too, in my opinion, there's not really much use dipping your toes in a bit if you're not totally ready to toilet train. So it can seem kind of counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. if, if you have them do things like just practice sitting on the toilet, like with pants on, like that, that that might think you might think that's a good idea just get them familiar get them used to being in the bathroom for this reason that sort of thing or having you know a potty set out in the living room people sometimes try that we actually sometimes encounter more issues with kids who've had that sort of pre-teaching because they're they're confused like that there can be real confusion like I've worked with kids who think it it looks like they think oh I just sit on the toilet with my pants totally on for five seconds and then somebody (laughs) gives me a candy right yeah and that that Ah. kind of thing can be difficult for us to you know, unteach. It's not insurmountable, but it's, it, yeah, it's generally like when you're ready to dive in, go whole hog into toilet training, <laughs> but just kind of dipping your toes in, trying it a little bit doesn't, doesn't usually help much. So okay. yeah, that's... it is really tough though to decide when to start. It's not mm-hmm. an easy, easy question. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's a good and obviously valid answer and it makes total sense. You're right. Like, yeah, let's just, you got to be ready to go in full force. So yeah, absolutely. So obviously I met you initially, but do you come in and sort of assess the child? And I guess that would be part of like, whether you think the child is ready, even though the parents might Mm -hmm. want it. So like, do you come in and sort of do that kind of, I guess, assessment? Yeah, yeah. So the first step when I work with families is I meet with them in their home and I I want to see the child. And also mostly my focus is to get a detailed toileting history from the parents. So it helps me know what they've what they've tried. Mm-hmm. and what if the child's had any success on the toilet or if this is totally new to them but then I'm also looking to know some general things about the child like their favorite things to do favorite activities um, things that are especially challenging and while it's ideal to do it at home if the family lives far from me we can do like a Skype or a phone meeting as well to do this initial assessment but yeah it's a pretty important piece for me to be able to picture what the toileting intervention will look like and if the child's ready or not yes of course yeah mm-hmm. that would be yeah, and just kind of get an overall feel of where it's going. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the things that you would, well, I guess you kind of answered that question already about like what are their favorite toys and obviously they you need to know if they're going to drink a lot of liquid of some sort mm-hmm. for the, mm-hmm. the rapid training. And then when we did the five-day intensive training um, with Ainsley, and yeah. this really worked for her. I mean, I had done the intensive twice two or three times I think but it was only over three days and I, I hadn't heard of the five days until I'd actually mm-hmm. met you everything I had heard about the intensive was three days mm. but I was more than glad that someone was willing to come in and do it for five <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um and I know that sort of your method is the rapid training mm-hmm. but are there other methods that would work with our kids with down syndrome or do you think that's most the most beneficial or the one that you've had the best experience or best results with? 
Yeah, it, that's a that's a really good question. It depends. I mean, rapid toilet training is the the gold standard in research. Like it's the thing that's been proven to work with okay. most populations of people with special needs. So I, I I typically you know go there first and mm-hmm. try that methodology first. But it it can depend where the child is when you start. So mm-hmm. sometimes they don't need a really intensive approach, and and that's something okay. I'm looking for too when I do that initial assessment and get the history and information about the child. So most of my work definitely is the the intensive approach, the rapid mm-hmm. toilet training, but because most of the kids I encounter, it is what they need. But sometimes there's a smaller issue kind of within the realm of toilet training. So that I, I sometimes encounter kids who just have accidents in a specific setting, for example, mm-hmm. like they're, they're pretty good at, at, at home, but they don't generalize to school or vice versa. Or sometimes kids are peeing in the toilet very easily, but they, they won't poop in the toilet. Then mm-hmm. it's not necessarily rapid toilet training they need. Usually I'll design another kind of intervention that's specific to what the issue is there. So yeah, the, but the logic, I mean, very much still comes from from rapid toilet training, the, the more intensive program, mm-hmm. just kind of uh, tweak it for that child's needs. Of course. So, and obviously we've been talking about the rapid training or intensive mm-hmm. potty training, as I call it. Mm-hmm. And and actually that's what I always see on the different forums. I don't think I've ever, I've always seen it as people refer to it as the intensive. I know it's the same, mm-hmm. but yeah. But can you talk a little bit about like what the five day intensive program is sort of what it kind of in- in- entails? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think people use the terms interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Like the rapid toilet training is what it's called in in research, and okay. then yeah, we. But I call it an intensive method when I'm working with families mm-hmm. too. So you're okay. right on. <laughs> so yeah, it was a method that was developed in the '70s by researchers Asrin and Fox, so they're behavior analytic researchers, and they implemented it initially with adults with special needs. Mm-hmm. And through the methodology they developed, they got. Well, they helped nine adult males get toilet trained in just five days. So I remember, right? I read that research as a student went, what? Like, that's amazing. So Mm -hmm. I I thought it was pretty compelling. I couldn't wait to try it for myself. And I got to, (laughs) in my work as a behavior interventionist, which was really cool. And I was really hooked because it feels like magic when you're doing Mm -hmm. it. So some of the things have changed within it since the 70s. Like, the the world's pretty different in in, um, in the special needs world, which is great. I mean, there were some elements of the original rapid toilet training protocol that aren't used anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, They're found to be kind of superfluous things. But the most important ones remain. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what they are and what we do day to day when we do this with families. So one of the biggies is increased fluids. Mm -hmm. So we talked a bit about that before and how it's a really important prerequisite for a lot of the kids I work with to be able to drink a lot. So we give the child a ton of liquid to drink. So they'll Mm -hmm. pee many, many times in a short period, right? So it's huge in facilitating the the rapid part, like learning quickly, Mm -hmm. because of course, the more opportunities and the more practice, the better and the faster they'll learn so I mean for me like any any skill I think of that's something kind of hard or new like I remember learning to parallel park and the, the <laughs> right the yeah. more you do it like you have to do it over and over and over until you're fluent and it's easy if you just did it anytime you actually needed to parallel park <laughs> like you'd, it'd be so seldom right you wouldn't get good at it very quickly so it's the same logic it's mm-hmm. like let's make them need to pee a lot so they can learn more quickly and it that's yeah a huge huge piece of why it's successful in a short term the lots of liquid thing is vital the second element is and this is another huge part of part of my practice and what why you know what I think we do works well is finding really potent reward items so mm-hmm. 
this can be anything. Uh, and and for, for every kid we work with, it's different. Mm -hmm. So part of what we do is help families identify what will be really, really motivating for their kids. And we've done so many different things. Like, I, I mean, people often think, oh, you must use, you know, M&Ms or chocolate chips. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, sometimes that's a, <laughs> a, sometimes that works for kids. But we try to get really creative around what really, really works for that specific child. So some examples lately are things like we had one kid who loved FaceTiming her grandparents. Okay. Like she just, it was her favorite thing to do was talk to her grandparents on FaceTime and she always asked to do it. And it was so exciting for her. They were really fun grandparents. So she would, during the toilet training, we got her grandma to be like on call at every moment. <laughs> and so after every time this kid peed or pooped in the toilet, we would FaceTime grandma and grandpa Aww. right away. And they would like dance and do a reaction and show her the dog and do all this stuff. So the kid loved it. Like it really, really worked for her. And yeah, so it doesn't have to be things. I mean, for some mm -hmm. kids, it is things like it's toys. A lot of kids like kinder surprise eggs <laughs> or like other little, you know, su surprise things. Some kids really like wrap gifts and it cannot yeah. a sense anything. Some kids like blowing out a candle. Like we really, really like that's a, one of the main things I do in the assessment is talk to families like what makes your kid kick? Let me try some things with them. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Some parents know right away like what's going to work and others go, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's, what's really, really going to be so special to them that it'll be worth it. And we talk to them about how it has to be their absolute favorite. So that's big. So they get these rewards immediately after mm -hmm. success toileting, no matter what the reward is. And we do part of the plan sort of later on is to fade it out as well. So it's not something that they're getting forever. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's really important when you're teaching a new challenging behavior, like using the toilet, that there's a big payoff the first yeah. phase of learning it. And then we're able to fade it out as it becomes more fluent, more easy for the child. So that's part of our plan as well. And sorry, can I just, I just want to ask a question. Like sure. when, when you get the toy, cause I remember you had a couple of really cool toys when you worked with Ainsley. So, and then that's the only time that they would get that, right? Like they wouldn't get yeah. it at any other time, right? Very good question. Yes. That's a really important piece too. It's like, it can really undermine the process. Yeah. That thing is supposed to be just for toileting, but then, oh, it's also for, you know, it's, it's, she loves yogurt. So we're using yogurt, but she also just needs to eat yogurt for her snack nutrition wise. It's like, oh, we got to choose something that's special and separate and can be just for this. So absolutely. Yeah. That's a really important point. And so what would be kind of, so you inundate with water and yeah. they get a huge reward. And I know with Ainsley and a lot of uh, kids with Down syndrome, praise is huge. Mm -hmm. And because I discovered, because I initially I had tried, yeah, the chocolate chips, right? Like as a reward, yeah. but I found it, that wasn't interesting enough for her. Like you're right. Mm -hmm. It's like a toy or something. And then, so then what happens from there? Yeah, there, that we always make sure to use praise as well if mm -hmm. that's something motivating for the child and that's one of the things that helps us fade the big reward item as well it's like we always combine the, the presentation of the reward with lots of excitement and praise and then later on we're more easily able to take the big reward away and the praise kind of remains but it, it's an interesting point you brought up about the praise thing because we always another important part of rapid toilet training is when there's accidents, we're sure to be very, very neutral. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as a parent, sort of intuition is when the child does something that's incorrect, you want to tell them, mm -hmm. no, that's not, 
do. We don't pee here. We pee in the toilet. You talk to them about it. But with some kids I work with, even that sort of just, just correcting them verbally, giving an explanation is enough to, it's enough attention to make them want it again. I, okay. I don't know if that makes yes. sense. So it's like attention mm-hmm. can be really powerful oh, totally. currency for a lot of kids we work with, right? So pl- where we place the attention is really strategic in this process. So we're generally super excited and attentive and positive when they're successful, but just totally neutral when there's accidents. So just help them get to the toilet quickly, try to finish in the toilet if we can, but we don't go, no, that's not right. We also don't go, oh, that's okay. Give me a hug. You're trying. Like that kind of attention yeah. might yeah. Mm-hmm. never know and it's different for different kids so that's something that we look at closely too and make sure that they're not getting some sort of like accidental payoff for the accident right yeah and then the, the only other uh, rapid toilet training mentioned uh nest element i don't think i mentioned was that the child wears underwear the whole time so that's oh, a that's really right. important yeah. piece as well yeah they um in some toilet training programs that people do the child's in a pull-up or diaper and then they just go into the underwear for certain times of the day, but in rapid toilet training, we make sure they're in underwear all the time. And that can be the experience of wetness or, or soiling mm-hmm. it, an important part of learning as well. But yeah, that's, those are the basics. That's the, the cliff notes of the rapid toilet training method. Right. And cause I know, I remember with Ainsley and it's probably a little bit different for each child. Like literally you guys were in the bathroom for three full days. Yeah. And I kept thinking, thank God somebody does this for a living. Like, honestly, I was so thankful and I'm sure, you know, I've talked to lots of parents and, and I, I'm sure lots of people would love to have someone like you come in and, and help them and, and get their child trained because it is, I think because there's also that emotional attachment with your child. I almost Mm -hmm. think I could probably do it for somebody else's child, but it's, I think it's so hard when it's your own child and like, you know, and trying to remain neutral, like when they have those accidents and stuff like that. And then, and then I think after the third day, you guys were coming out more, if I remember Mm. correctly. And I remember seeing Ainsley walking around in her cute little underwear. And I was so (laughs) proud. I really, I just, I remember saying to you, oh, she looks so cute in her little underwear. Cause I was so proud, right. You know, cause we're, you know, we're halfway through and yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough milestone, but like I said, I'm, I know people, I was so glad that there's somebody out there that does it. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. And mm-hmm. like when you're doing the intensive training or the rapid to- toilet training, are the parents involved? Like, do they, are they, do they stay at the house or do you encourage them to kind of have some free time or do you kind of like to keep it separate? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, there it can go a few ways, but the, the way things usually go is that we don't involve the parents much in the first like two or three days, mm-hmm. and then we bring them in more during the end of the process. And it, the reason we do that mostly is because I've seen myself in practice and there's research that it can be pretty difficult for parents to be the initial change agent when we're teaching challenging new behaviors. And it's like you were saying, the relationship is just totally different. Mm -hmm. Like you, you do so many things with your own child, right? Like you have to teach them so many things and work on so many things with them day to day. And also, you know, you have time where you're just hanging out and loving them and hey you know doing things together that are fun right so often parents have done some attempts at toilet training already but they 
always have to go do something else, right? So yes. kids learn, right? If they wait <laughs> long enough on the toilet without peeing, their mom will eventually have to answer the phone or like dad will say, oh, we got to go to swimming lessons now or whatever. So when you bring in someone new like me, my whole relationship with the child is about toilet training. So right. that can really make the initial shift smoother. And then the parents come in and we start involving them and training them to participate once the child is becoming competent with the toileting. So like they're starting to get it and then their parents take over. But I mean, that said, we, we do sometimes encounter kids who learn especially well with their parents or mm -hmm. they seem, they sometimes seem uncomfortable being in the bathroom with new people. That's okay. In that case, we're totally open to more parent involvement immediately okay. and for practicality's sake too I mean sometimes we involve parents sooner because they work for free so when there's budget constraints we can work with parents earlier in the process because they'll work with their own kids at no charge usually yeah <laughs> so yeah that can be yeah there's so there's I mean we can go a few ways with it but our usual method again is to start with us and then transfer to parents and so when you're in this process of the rapid toilet training has there, in your experience, has there ever been a time where you thought, mm, I'm not sure if it's going to be successful during the five days? And then if that happens, like, like what happens from that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. It does happen sometimes. In general, I, I can always suggest a path that'll lead to toilet training, even if it's a bit unorthodox or it's going to mm -hmm. take a bit longer. So, you know, of course, all kids are different and so many variables come up. So occasionally in the process of doing the rapid toilet training, we'll realize a child has some sort of like medical need that can't be addressed with this behavioral treatment. So an example would be like a bladder control issue that requires medication, mm -hmm. something like that, where we'd say, you know what, I think you should see your doctor again, tell them that this is what's happened and, and see if there's another way we can go about this and then come back to this method. Other times, so this, this is really occasionally, a, a child might have some problem behavior that presents a big barrier to toilet training, like they just will not go in the bathroom mm -hmm. and we're using everything we've got, but it's just not gonna happen quickly. Um, in that case, I make some recommendations to work on the problem behavior to increase the child's tolerance of the whole process, basically. And that can mean it's more of a long game and, mm -hmm. and we, revisit usually the intensive method later but I mean there's always ways and I'm always kind of looking ahead and seeing if it's going to you know take longer for mm -hmm. this child and that sort of thing yeah and one of the things that I, I think it was Pat Miranda I'm pretty sure that she when I went to this little seminar I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure it was her one of the things that's always stuck with me is she said don't start don't use a um a little potty because you'll end up training mm -hmm. twice is that in your experience, is that true? Like you should just go right to the toilet? That's a good question. Yeah. Usually we always try to use the toilet first. It okay. does make a lot of sense. So you're not, you're not adding a step later, but sometimes kids have a, a negative history with the toilet. Mm -hmm. And, and in that case, a potty can really help because it's a fresh start. So it's, it, it depends on the child in the individual case, but the, the, vast majority of the time absolutely the toilet is the way to go okay that's kind of what I thought too because I know lots mm -hmm. of people like you said they have the potty in the living room like well that's not right. where you go to the bathroom so that's exactly right yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I think I think you told me that right like is, mm -hmm. you go potty in the, in the bathroom mm -hmm. and you know and and I'm sure many of the parents that are listening if their kids are a little bit older like in your experience can the majority of kids with down syndrome do you think can be potty trained yeah, absolutely. I mean, both in my experience and in the research, it, it 
that said, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. I don't think parents should feel like they need to do it alone or, or that they, yeah, that they, that it's their job. It's one of those things as a parent, it's hard. It feels like it's your job to toilet train and outsourcing. It is a bit of a, I, you know, some parents pause in doing that and asking Mm -hmm. support with it. And it, it, it can be hard, but Mm -hmm. it is absolutely possible. I mean, yeah, it's my, it's my whole career, right? Like I'm so (laughs) focused on this because it's so hard for parents and they try so hard. And sometimes the, the methods that we suggest are things that people wouldn't, wouldn't think of necessarily, or be information that's really readily available. So it's Mm -hmm. possible, but hard. Yeah. That's my main message there. Yeah. And that's sort of what I had thought too, because I had read a couple of years ago about again, on one of the many forums I'm on, about a woman who had a 10-year-old son with Down syndrome who had no interest in being potty trained. And I tell you, that put the fear of God in me because mm-hmm. I thought, I, I don't want Ainsley to be 10 and change, and I'm still changing a pull-up. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's kind of what really motivated me to try to get her her potty trained. And I guess is like 10 too old. And, and I've also heard our that boys are more difficult to train than girls. Is that true? As far as I can tell, the the boys versus girls thing is is a, a rumor. Okay. <laughs> so there's yeah, there's no research I found about it, and it's it's definitely not true in my practice either. Like okay. I would say, girls are just as difficult as boys. <laughs> I think in the, with maybe typically developing little toddlers, boys have a bad reputation for training, and that's yes. transferred over. So I I'm not sure about that one, but ten, 10 is definitely not too old. We've worked with people up to 19 successfully, and wow. and and yeah. Yeah, like the research I mess I mentioned the mm-hmm. original rapid toilet training that was all with adults like in their yeah. 30s and 40s so that oh, if wow. they've been like in, in theory right the longer their history of not using the toilet the harder it's going to be but if the right combination of, of variables can yeah anybody can get there wow okay well and I'm sure that makes parents feel so much better because it's just as a side note I was listening to another podcast and a woman she had uh her she was on and her son he had a dual diagnosis of down syndrome and autism and I I think his autism might have been quite severe and he had Uh they'd adopted him from an orphanage and he was 13 at this point like they adopted him when he was five but she just felt he would never be potty trained she just thought that would be something that would never happen and then they Uh did have someone come in similar to you but they did it over 48 hours Uh and and he did it so yeah and I was really happy to hear that and I know she was very excited too so and I know that was because someone came in and assisted them I don't know if they were there the whole time or what have you but mm-hmm. I you know I think parents need to know it's never too late and it is it is entirely possible to do it yeah you absolutely know, just have to get a good person in there to to help you because I think it's mm-hmm. just so hard to do it by yourself or on your absolutely. own absolutely yeah, yeah. So you come in for the five days and, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember Ainsley was wearing her little potty alarm, so which mm-hmm. um, for people who don't know, it's like a little, like it was so sensitive after mm-hmm. like even one drop, it would, the alarm would go off and you take them to the, the toilet. So, but what happens after the five days? <laughs> because that's kind of scary for the parents at that yeah. point when you're gone. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, some kids, we do have them use the alarm that you mentioned. So yeah, so some kids, it, it helps them kind of get the final push or helps us fade out the more intensive 
part Mm -hmm. with with success so yeah like you're saying it's a small pretty unobtrusive device and they wear it just taped in their underwear and it it beeps right as soon as they start to pee so it's really good for kids too who get distracted Mm -hmm. like doing things and they kind of forget what they're doing or or also for generalizing to a new environment like home to school we can actually set it to vibrate as well which is good less it's loud enough that you know an adult sitting near them would know but it's not so it's not loud enough that kids know usually so for, for social reasons it's not so obtrusive we have had kids wear them in class and we just set them on vibrate and it's it's okay like it doesn't their mm-hmm. peers don't seem to notice and yeah for what it's worth the brand that i really like is called chummy c-h-u-m-m-i-e give them a free plug there you <laughs> they go. sponsor your podcast but <laughs> they um yeah they're it's a really good brand and it's actually a bedwetting alarm but we use it uh, during the day like you did with ainsley oh right and it's available yeah, on so amazon right yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes kids, yeah, sometimes we'll use an alarm to help fade out the process. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally when the five days is over, how it looks is pretty different from, from child to child. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are are done. Like they totally get it. They're, they're initiating toilet use. It's usually the initiation is commensurate with their other skills. So if they're verbally requesting things normally, we can mm-hmm. usually get them to verbally request toilet use within that five days. If they use some sort of alternative or augmentative communication device, we can get them using that. But yeah, for some of them, it just, it takes a little bit longer. Like we mm-hmm. might continue with bringing them to the toilet every yeah. once in a while. Like we get a lot of kids to the point where it's like, yes, when you take them to the toilet, if they have any pee or poop in them, they will try very hard to get it out, but mm-hmm. they need reminders for a little while. So we, and that, that's usually, parents are usually pretty happy with that, mm-hmm. uh, that leaving it at that outcome for a while. And then as the child's communication skills grow, mm-hmm. They, they typically will learn later to tell you when they need to go. But yeah, the, the, I mean, I support families as much as they need or want when we're done, basically. So a lot of them, again, feel totally confident. Like, yeah, my kid gets it. Goodbye. Thanks. <laughs> you, you never, right? Or they, they know what they need to do to mm-hmm. keep going. Like, to, mm-hmm. So the child might be having a, the odd accident, but the parent knows what they need to do to um, continue success and get them going a little bit better. And if they if the child attends school or any other programs or anything like that, I can visit there, make some sort of contact, and mm-hmm. let them know what they can do to help the child generalize, continue the success, fade rewards. So, the yeah, the post-intensive part, varies a lot so it mm-hmm. looks different for everybody and it d- depends on the family's needs a lot so yeah of course yeah and I know Ainsley's aide was really on it which I was mm-hmm. so you know appreciative of like you know she mm-hmm. tracked everything and she still does and yeah mm-hmm. and Ainsley did really awesome in school this year like with very few accidents especially the latter half of the year definitely hardly anything so oh. I was always excited when she came home in the same clothes Yay! <laughs> Yeah, that's the greatest sign. Yeah, it's going well. Yeah, and then and she's you know and she it just we just increased the time over time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was it was painful in the beginning, but eventually we got there because you know she can, when she wants to, she can go over two hours. And yeah. we did a long trip up to uh, Timothy Lake actually, and it's about six mm-hmm. and a half hours, and she stayed dry the whole way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a couple stops, but yeah, she did it. So I was that's super awesome. yeah. super proud of her. And then I know the big one, because Ainsley's not quite there yet, but how do you train for nighttime? Like, is there, is there a way to train for nighttime or is that something that comes more naturally? And because another mom I was talking to, her son, he's been potty trained quite young. I think he was around three. He has Down syndrome and she says they're nowhere close to being 
potty train for nighttime. I mean, for mm. me personally, I don't, I don't, I, it doesn't matter to me yet. It might mm-hmm. in a couple more years, but mm-hmm. what's your experience in that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's another one of those things that there's a lot of variation in what it looks like for kids. So a lot of the kids we work with, they end up just like waking up with a dry mm-hmm. pull up. We, we do, I, I should say, I talked about how we just use underwear, but we do have families put their kids in pull ups or a diaper just for bedtime mm-hmm. when we start. And I mean, to be honest, one of the reasons I do that is because it can really disrupt their sleep if you're trying to work on night training at the same time as day training. And we want them to be able to really focus on the daytime and um, not be tired from waking up at night. And we also yeah. do sometimes when you start working on night training, kids will like over initiate to get out of bed. So it can lead to lots of like they want to get up. It's like one more glass of water, one more pee, one more pee, yeah. one more pee, right? Until yes. then they're up half the night. So it can be a little bit complicated. But yeah, I, I was starting to say most of the kids we work do end up just waking up with a dry pull-up soon after they achieve daytime training. Mm -hmm. But if not, if that doesn't happen, there's a few ways to play it. One is to wait because they they might have a small bladder. And we we usually can tell that from the daytime training and how long they were able to go without peeing. So if they're just a child who needs to pee frequently, there's a good chance that they, they're probably peeing in their sleep and just let them grow a little bit, let their bladder catch up and okay. see, see where you are in yeah a few years if it's not that big of a deal. But otherwise, the alarms that we use for daytime, the tummy alarms, they are really good for teaching overnight toileting as well. And yeah, the child can wear the alarm to bed or you can also get one from the same company that's like a pad that you put on the bed that's okay. alarmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that... And and then it wakes the child up again, super sensitive. As soon as a drop of pee hits it, it wakes them up and they can, it, you know, an adult can help them get up and go to the bathroom or they can do that on their own, depending on sort of their other levels of skill. So it's, it's a bit of a, I, there's a few ways to go with it. Usually I suggest people wait. Cause again, you, you can open a can of worms with mm-hmm. sleep. So yeah, wait as long as you can and, and see if they start just waking up dry. And if they don't, yeah, the alarm method can work really well for that as well. Okay, that's that's really good to know. We'll put some links on the site for sure, yeah. the, for the chummy and and so people who are interested in the little the one that you can wear because mm-hmm. we we wore that for a few weeks after and mm-hmm. I think that really helped and and it wasn't really that obtrusive like you said. We just I think we used the vibrate if I remember correctly and mm-hmm. and um yeah, and it worked well and I know Ronnie her aide like she, she was timing things and she could usually catch it most of the time and you know mm-hmm. I mean that was a big, you know, subsequent part of the potty training is that when she was going to school is that I had someone who I knew I could rely on that was going to continue with the training. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure that's, you know, a good part of the battle, right? Is you, yeah. they've got some, the people who are involved in her, in your child's life, they have to be a willing participant to, to get over this, this hump, I guess, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. or to achieve this milestone. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, thank you so much, Katie. I mean, I think it's so informative what you have been talking about. And I know parents will really appreciate this because it's such a huge milestone for our kiddos. And and, it, and like we've talked about, it's it's a hard milestone. I don't, mm. I think I've only heard of maybe one or two instances where the kids, it was really easy to train them, but I don't think that's the norm or probably mm-hmm. even for many typical kids either. I don't know. <laughs> But if people wanted to get a hold of you, how can they find you? So if they want to use yeah. your services. 
Of course, yeah. My company is called Blackbird Special Education. Um, our website is blackbirdse.com. Okay. Um, and we work we work mostly with families in BC. We'll travel all over British Columbia, mm-hmm. but we can give advice and support by Skype or phone or email to anyone. We've worked with families all over the world wow. who just need need help, <laughs> need uh, <laughs> yeah have questions, and yeah, yeah. In the we can help them. You know, look over the some data that they've taken, give some suggestions, teach them a little bit more about rapid toilet training or other methods that might work, that sort of thing. So yeah, distance services is, is a big part of what we do as well. It's a pretty rare specialty. Not many people do this, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's so it's, yeah, there's a lot of demand for, for help. So we're happy to try to help as, as much as we can. And so my email is katie at blackbirdse.com. I'll give you uh, that to post on your website as well. Yeah, we can. And Katie's K-A-T-I-E. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. And Katie's a new mom. She just had a little boy named Rory a couple of months ago. So she'll be potty training him in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, yeah. I'll let you know how that goes. Okay. You know that. It might be different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to hear about it. But I'm so, like I said earlier, I'm beyond grateful that there's people out there like you who actually do this for a living you know I had no idea that there were people like you out there and you know when I was looking for a consultant you were actually the only person who listed that as something that they do like I didn't know that majority of consultants will do it but you specialize in it and you were the only person who actually put on the little uh list that I was looking at that actually did specialize in potty training. So I'm so mm-hmm. grateful. And I'm, I know that you're probably in pretty high demand because we, like I said, we all want our kiddos potty trained yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But you know, again, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and your tips. And we will certainly put those links on our website so that if people want to get in, in touch with you, they can, and in, you know, they can do the rapid training with you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Mary. I appreciated you having me on. It was really fun to talk. Awesome. That's so great. And it was so nice to see you again, Katie. And uh, I hope you're doing well in your motherhood journey. Thank you. I am. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Mary, I tell you, I have a whole new outlook on all of that process and how much frustration that you must have had trying it on your own. Yeah, it was it was hard. And when I found Katie, because I didn't know there were people out there who actually specialized in potty training. I was just so thankful and so grateful because I had been thinking about doing it again on my own and I just, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to it because I'm thinking it's so hard, but it is hard when it's your own child. But when you can get someone in who knows what they're doing and does it well, you're, you're gold. Well, and it's, it seemed that the way she was approaching it saved tears for me yes yes definitely because it's a it's a hard and a challenging milestone not just for your child but also as the parent too because we all want it and we all want it yesterday and you know I'm excited that Ainsley has that independence now and it's awesome well it must be it's obviously a huge load off of off of you Mm -hmm. uh, to be constantly checking oh yes for sure and having to prep whenever you went out for that yep for sure and uh you know she's doing really well with it so i'm very happy and you know very satisfied with how it all turned out great and thanks again to katie for joining us so why don't you lead us out thanks for listening and i would love to hear what you thought about this episode if you found it helpful 
you know, what your potty training stories are, because I know we all have those potty training stories. And, you know, drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com. Or you can drop us a message on our website or even on our Facebook page and just let us know what's going on in your life. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. See you, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye.